Hi teachers, I'm Carly Walton and this is the Teach Music Online podcast, your number one resource for innovative online music teaching. In today's episode, I'm featuring one of our Teach Music Online members, Lori McDonald. Lori has stood out for me since the day she joined the membership with her enthusiasm, her ability to connect with other teachers, and her love for teaching. Lori teaches in Florida, and you'll hear in our interview today how she uses a thematic approach to keep her students engaged throughout the year. She has a thriving studio. She's always had a full studio, and I think you'll see why, or you'll hear why in our interview. She clearly has a love for teaching and a love for giving the gift of music to her students. I hope that you enjoy this interview with Lori, and I do have to apologize. The interview does cut in or start a little bit abruptly as I forgot to hit record in our Zoom call when we were recording this, so I apologize. We do miss a slight introduction, but she does just jump right in to talking about her experience with music growing up and how she was introduced to piano from the very beginning. So enjoy this interview with Lori McDonald. So I know when I was young, I started piano when I was five. I was actually adopted and uh, when I was like two and I was very obese. And so my parents put me on a strict diet right away, but the only thing I wanted to do was eat. So I would just sit around and wait for somebody to eat something. And that's the only interest that I had. So my mom kept trying to get me like things to be of interest. And so she got me a dog, you know, tried to get me to exercise and nothing was working until I went to kindergarten. And I came home after kindergarten and I started picking out the songs that we had learned that day in school on this little tiny like organ, like a toy that we had. So my parents were like, that's it, music lessons. Let's sign her up for music. So since I already had an organ, they signed me up with a local church organ teacher. So I studied from her until I was 12. And a lot of things, believe it or not, I still remember. And I still kind of, I think, use that format for some of the things I do today. But um, later then, I um, started studying with um, a teacher at Bryan College in Tennessee. And um, he said, oh, I'm not going to teach you until you take piano lessons. You have to strengthen your fingers. So my parents had just bought me a brand new, beautiful organ for our living room. So when the teacher said, I'm not going to teach you because your fingers are not strong, um, my parents got this old clunker piano from our church that was in a classroom, and it was too ugly to go in our house, so we had to put it in the basement. So I started practicing the piano to strengthen my fingers. Well, after two years, I never wanted to go back to the organ. I fell in love with the piano, and I I successfully practiced that on that old clunker, 100-year-old piano (laughs) until my second year in college when I got a nicer piano. So um, I I think just the feel of playing and just feeling successful at something, just being consistent in that made me have more of a passion to do my very best at it. Oh, I love your story. It's so unique and amazing that that your mom thought to do that for you at such a young age to give you something else to put your mind and your attention on. How cool to learn (laughs) organ too. Right. And I really am thankful for that because um, as a a pianist, I feel like I understand music so much better because of the chordal foundation that I had. So everything that I learn and teach is really related to those chords. And I tell my students that my fingers just magnetize to the notes of the chords. 
if it's if it makes sense quarterly. Classical music is much harder for me, mm. especially if it doesn't really revolve around chords, you know, like the more modern music and um, things that are not chordal to me is very difficult to sight read. So I play by ear a great deal, like a lot, a lot. So um, I love to use chords and that's what carries me through my music. So I, I never used to really think I liked theory, but I'm finding that I'm using so much theory in my piano students, you know, lessons, but it's not with a theory book so much as it is just a practical application of what are you doing? What chord are you playing? Like, tell me the key you're in right now. You know, that kind of thing. So oh, it's such a skill. It's such a skill as a student to be able to have that because for me going into college, I got to college and I didn't know my chords very well. You know, I, we had talked about it with theory, but I couldn't just play or recognize chords and songs as I do now. And that is such an amazing thing that you're introducing your students to. It sounds like from the very beginning. It helped when I was young at a very young age. I was probably 14 when I became the church pianist <laughs> and it was a small church, but I was the only one that could play the piano. So in that church, um, the music director would just hand me a little piece of paper with like three or four songs written on it from the hymnal right before the service. And they expected me to be able to play this. So I would just have to flat out say, if, for one, if I didn't know the song, I could not play it. No way. And then number two, if it was in too hard of a key, like if it was in like four flats, like A flat, so many songs from the hymns are in A flat. But if I knew the song, I could easily play it in G. So I would do that. And so I found a way to cheat through all of the music. Wow. And my dad played the guitar behind me like a bass guitar. So he couldn't read music. So he was, I was like, what key is it? What key is it? So I would just, I was telling G, D, because, you know, that's all he needed to know. And he was good to go. And so we were always like transposing it and playing by ear. So that really helped me a lot. My piano teacher thought it was like a crutch, you know, like it wasn't a good thing. But when you do it as a balance, like I would not want to only play by ear. I'm very thankful that I can read the music, but I wouldn't want to be the other way either. Totally agree. And it's so good as a teacher to find ways to have them complement each other because your students, they need to know how to sight read and read music because like you said, you couldn't read that music and you wanted to be able to read it. But having that good ear allows you to have so much fun with music and transpose and write and pick out songs. Like, wow, that is so, so interesting that you had that experience with the organ that kind of I guess, helped you realize, did it, did it help you realize you wanted to be better at reading? Um, no, I don't think I ever really had the desire to read music, <laughs> but I remember I always asked my mom, like, how long do I have to take piano? And she would always say until you're 40. So she never <laughs> gave me the option to stop. And, uh, I, my whole entire life, since I was five, I have either taken piano lessons or I have taught piano lessons, except for one year when I had my fourth child, I took off for one year. So that's, wow. it's been a lifetime. You're still taking music. now? Or I, I'm only, I'm teaching now. Okay. You're teaching, but I'm now. taking, but I'm taking from you on how yeah. to be a better teacher. Perfect. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're a lifelong learner. <laughs> yes. Yes. So tell me about COVID-19 and what happened for your studio in last March, last April, when your students couldn't come to your studio anymore. Had you taught online lessons prior to COVID? I had only done maybe one or two, and that was like 
previous, like a year previous to that. So it was, it, it was not a very good success. You know, it was just kind of like, this is not really working. But over that year, the, the technology had greatly increased and I had, um, you know, I had newer devices and we had better tech or better Wi-Fi, all that kind of thing in my house now. So um, when I saw the week before the shutdown, I'm like, everything, like every day, something new is closing down. I bet schools are going to close down next week. So on Thursday, I started just telling all my students, I didn't even think about it, Carly. It did not even like cross my mind that it was going to be a problem. I just started telling my students, Hey, I have a feeling next week that schools might start shutting down. So if that's the case, then we're just going, going to do an online lesson, like FaceTime. We'll just FaceTime you and we'll just do our lesson that way. Just like it was not a big deal. And I only had like one or two students drop out. That's it. Amazing. I know one was, I don't know, just the, through the technology. And then the other one was just like, just the financial thing. And I tried to stay connected with that person, but it just never really resulted into anything. So for the most part, it was seamless, but my, my eyes found it very tiring. I could not believe how it was so much of a challenge for my, you know, my eyes and, I'm used to standing up and being more active during the lessons. I never sit down. So to sit down the whole, like, you know, four or five hours at a time, that was hard. So, but you make, do you kind of adjust and find what works and you just keep going. And you have that awesome seat cushion now that you found. <laughs> I do. I'm sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. So how did you find Teach Music Online? Was it through the Facebook group or a referral? It, it was. It was through the Facebook group. So um, the week of uh, March, spring break was right around the time of the shutdown. So we, um, I went, I did the first week of online lessons. Then we had a week on vacation. So we had already prepaid for our Gatlinburg trip, you know? So we thought, well, we might as well just go ahead and go because, you know, how can you socially distance any better in the smoke than in the Smokies? So we went and um, it was a nice retreat for sure. And during the time I was like on Facebook, I saw your ad come up and I thought, this is exactly what I need. Like I need some help with this. This could be really the thing. And I'm just so thankful that you did the um, pay as you pay what you can, because I could not have afforded a big chunk because I was just that same month getting my new iPad and then having that, um, you know, the shutdown, there's no telling whose jobs are secure, what's going to happen. So I was very thankful that you made that offer. And as soon as I got into your course and I could see how organized you were with everything I had any questions about, I just could not believe that I had landed the gold mine. (laughs) And I am still like, so thankful for that. Oh, you are so sweet. It was so fun for me to have it all ready because I, I created that course and even the Facebook group uh, like a year ago right now. So it was, I mean, in the works for about six months before the world shut down. So, wow, it was just such great timing for me to be able to offer teachers this, this course at an affordable price, because like you said, teachers didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know if their students were going to quit. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Totally. So, Yeah. Well, I'm glad we were to hear- all, all, of, all of us teachers were very blessed that you had already had that, like, you know, in mind and that we were able to be the beneficiaries of your hard work. Oh, well, so. thank you. And I'm so glad your students transitioned online with you. And that's really you that did that. I mean, there's a lot of teachers who say my students left or I lost half my students. When you as the teacher offered 
an alternative with so much confidence that you weren't Mm -hmm. going to say no. You you know, you are going to take the lead and continue working with them. There wasn't really any other option, it sounds like. Right. And everybody was happy because, you know, everybody's shut down. What better time did they need some stability in their lives and realize that, hey, I'm not stuck at home all alone and the world is going on, but then have that connection. So it was great. You know, I was really thankful. And I even told my students, hey, if you get really depressed, just call me, FaceTime me. I'll be happy to, you know, see you anytime. So I think that they were just glad that we could continue that. And since then, um, a lot of my students have come back to the studio now I'm, I'm back in session here in person, but a lot of them are choosing to do it at home. And I think a lot of the parents realize how convenient it is. Oh, and so awesome. down here in South Florida, we have really torrential rainfalls, um, sometimes that are worse than the hurricanes that they're actually predicting. And so I told the parents, Hey, now this year I've set it up where, you know, you come the first week in person and I'll give you all the materials, go over with you the theme and talk to you about the year. And then from then on, you've got this time. You can do it FaceTime. If you can't get here, if you want to just go home and do it that way, or you can come in studio. So it's totally up to you. So it makes it really convenient. And moving forward, how exciting for you to be able to market yourself to students in other places, or if those students move away, you can keep working with them. And that is, I have found for so many teachers who have mentioned, you know, that's such a relief knowing that if you needed to move suddenly or they needed to move, you kind of have those students for life (laughs) until they're 40. (laughs) I Let's hope. (laughs) Right. So the name of your studio, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, we, my husband and I are hoping to move in a year or two. And so the whole idea of trying to go online was an idea that I had come up with um, just based on what, you know, current trends in education were happening. And I, I had heard about some online, you know, other things going on. I mean, I follow online boutiques all the time. So why can't I do online piano, right? <laughs> so I wanted to be that person that was really kind of cutting edge, but I'm so far behind in technology is a little bit of a conflict there. But that was my goal was to be able to already have students online by the time that I move so that I don't have to completely like lose my whole studio. And then um, when the COVID thing hit, I'm like, whoa, here we go. I'm I'm doing it now. (laughs) But um, I still have so much to learn to really make it um, to be what I would say is going to be able to keep the students' interest long-term that way. Mm-hmm. Sustainable. So, yeah. That, so yes. that's where my, my work is now. Yes. It's not just the teaching online. It's the having all of your materials online and having a curriculum and, you know, all the things that when they're in person, you can just pull out and hand them. There's, there are some things that help, help online teachers to be more sustainable so that you can be fully confident having students in Germany or wherever you are, where do you guys plan on moving? Tennessee. Is that, and that's where you're from? Yes. We, I grew up in Tennessee, met my husband there and our older children were born there. So it's kind of like home. So, um, I was, I grew up in, in a mountain and I married a city boy. And so I was, I was wanted to live in the city. So we've lived in the city, our whole married life now of 31 years. So now our youngest is going to be graduating in May. And I'm actually really excited about the next chapter of our lives because, um, that kind of takes us to probably one of your next questions about, um, like made for more, you know, I named Mm -hmm. my piano studio, um, piano pizzazz made for more. 
Well, when I was um, in my early married life, um, I didn't plan to have five children and uh, we had five kids and it was a struggle to financially support five kids, especially when my husband is in ministry or a teacher, like he's always, you know, been in that kind of field. And I've always just been a piano teacher kind of at home or, um, you know, wherever we lived, I was, I was a piano teacher, but neither one of those are very, you know, lucrative positions for raising five children nowadays, you know? Yeah. So, um, I always just remember being around the house, you know, changing diapers, trying to be a referee, trying to keep the peace in the house, trying to get food on the table, trying to make sure we had groceries and the house clean. And just thinking to myself, I am made for more than this. Like, this is not my life. This is not what I was created to do. Do. But I would have to remind myself in the moment, like, hey, this is just for now. It's just a, the season that you're in and make the best of it, make the most of it. And so many moms would tell me, hey, cherish these times with your little ones because they're going to be gone before you know it. And so now here I am on the other end and I have been able to maintain a, uh, a wonderful home life. Um, a wonderful studio wherever I've been. I've been able to attract students. And so I've never really even had to advertise. So I'm very thankful for um, that opportunity. So now going into our next chapter, it's going to look a little different and I'm excited about the change. So I, um, I, I think that, you know, made for more is a good motto for my life and for my studio, because I want my students to experience more than just what, you know, a little bit of half-hearted effort yeah. into their, their music. And I want to give them more than what they even thought they were signing up for, you know? So even if they, even if their parents just made them take piano, a lot of, a lot of kids don't really want to take piano. They just do it because their parents think it's a good idea for some, you know, enrichment. So I try to make it so that, hey, when they come to me for a piano, maybe you don't really want to come to piano to learn music, but you might like, you know, learning about, you know, this, or you might be interested in this, or you might think that I'm kind of a fun person. Maybe we can relate with our, you know, other interests. And then, hey, maybe if you like that, you will be interested in the things that I like about music and <laughs> we can kind of just bring it all together. So um, that's kind oh, of the idea it. behind the made for more. Oh, that's so, it's so positive and uplifting. It, it reminds me of a kind of a motto I live by that life is going to happen. It's, I mean, whether I work hard or not, time is going to pass. And I would rather spend my time working hard, doing the things I love versus the alternative of being not productive and complaining and thinking, woe is me. Like that's just such to me, such a waste of time to, <laughs> to not Absolutely. enjoy life. You know, even with, I have two toddlers, a three and a half year old and an almost two year old, and they are at hard work. I mean, there is a lot of most of my time, even though mm -hmm. teachers might not think this, they might think I'm working all the time, but most of my time is with them and really mm -hmm. nurturing them and helping them develop and changing those diapers and going on walks and taking them places. But I'm learning to really appreciate that and realize we can do lots of things with our time and with our lives. And, and in addition to that, how important I am to them in their development because they will be like us one day helping others and, you know, finding ways to serve and give of their gifts. So I love the motto made for more. <laughs> great. Great. I, I had a, that little motto put on bracelets, little leather bracelets. I gave out to all of my students this last year. Oh, that so. is awesome. And where does piano pizzazz come from? 
Well, that's probably because I'm, my personality in general is probably a little over the top. I don't know. You probably saw my website. So you saw that there's like a lot of words on there and a lot of, you know, stuff. I, I probably tend to overdo things a bit because I want to be, um, you know, thematic and I want to be seasonal and I want to be fun. And, you know, I've, I've got all of these great ideas. I think, you know, like when I went into marriage, I was more of an introvert and my husband was the extrovert. But, and he's ADHD, but I seriously think that is contagious because the older I get, the more I become like him. Like I'm just, I was looking for the next project. Like I can't sit still and do nothing like for very long at all. Like I just am like, okay, what can I do next? I, I guess I need to redecorate this area over here or, you know, or I need to come something up with, new or create. Yeah, I need to, <laughs> right, right. So um, I'm thinking the word pizzazz just kind of sums up all of that over the topness and, you know, just wanting to add the little extra sparkle or just the extra, you know, thing that was, you know, unexpected. So. so let's, you mentioned your themes. So you have a thematic focus in your studio. Can you explain what that is and kind of how you introduce your students into your thematic system? <laughs> okay. Well, I only developed that about 10 years ago. So before that, I just went through the lesson theory books, uh, performance books, you know, like the Alfred or whatever, you know, you got a combination of the books. So I started getting really tired of those. You know, when you do those day in, day out, you're just kind of, you know, done with it. So um, there were so many other styles of music that I liked and I thought, whoa, this, you know, could, could be an idea. So I think the first year I did a classical, like everything was all like classical music, the Baroque, romantic, classical, you know, modern, you know, that kind of thing. So that way we could dive a little deeper into the composers and music history and um, just learn more specific. And so I think what that was about is me just putting on blinders so that I'm just not like over here, over here, over, you know, because if I just go into a piano lesson with no, like, format. Like I don't have a lesson plan. Like, I don't know what I'm going to teach. I'm not going to remember what I taught Sally last week after I've taught, you know, 25 other kids. So I need kind of some kind of a plan or an outline. So I decided let's just focus this year on all of that classical music. So I kind of made up a board with all different musicians from the time periods and did the dates. I've been I, here I go. You know, I'm really into decorating. I love, that's my second you know, love. So I even made like a board to put on my house that looks like wooden and cool with my decorations that showed the different periods in time history and stuff. So um, that was the first one. And then the second year I did um, uh, music from around the world. So that was really fun too. That was a learning experience and it was fun finding all the different songs and all different books and just, I have a ton of music. So that, you know, gave me a reason to learn some new styles and new songs. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was really encouraging. I got the kids like passports and got a lot mm -hmm. of little paraphernalia from different countries. And then the next year was all American music styles. So that I did 12 different styles, like including um, jazz, rags, blues, country, rock, pop, you know, patriotic, all that kind of stuff. And I even went to the library and checked out books on the history of all of those different styles and how one evolved into the other and then to yes. the other. And so it was so connected, you know? So I was able just to 
learn a little bit about each of those. And even though I'm not at all a jazz player or, you know, I can't play, you know, just sit down and play in all those styles naturally, at least I could learn some information about those styles that I could share with the students. Like at any given time, I can say, hey, do you know where ragtime comes from? And then I could explain. So that was that one. Then the next year I did um, movies, musicals, and magic. So the magic right. refers to Disney songs. So I figured that kids would be all about like, yes. you know, tunes they hear on TV, movies, and then Disney. But to my surprise, a lot of the students didn't really get into that theme as much as I thought they would. You know, a lot of the tunes that I know and love, like from movies or shows, nobody today knows those. Mm. The kids nowadays, they don't know those. And they also don't know Christmas songs, which I'm really not happy about. No. I know. And even the Disney songs, a lot of my students aren't yes. into Disney. They don't know, you know it. Like they don't know Bippity Boppity Boo. I'm like, how do you not know Bippity Boppity Boo or Alice in Wonderland or Spoonful of Sugar? Like the classic. I know. Ugh. I know. So I was a little disappointed. Now, this is the second time I've rotated all of the songs. And again, this year I was disappointed in that. So, I mean, I'm like, you don't, okay. So you don't know Annie, you know, tomorrow from Annie. Okay. Well, it's time you learn it. Yes. <laughs> this is educational for all of us. <laughs> right. Right. And then this last, this year, now this is the last one. I'm doing the series of books by Melody. And I'm not really sure how to say her name. Boober or Bobber. I think Boober? it's Boober. Yeah. I love her books. Okay, so I'm using these. It's called A Perfect Ten. So um, it's a graded series in five levels. And in addition to this, I'm using the dozen a day in the five okay. levels. So every student gets one of each. And um, what I'm doing now is I'm making a video for each song for each um, student. And what I do is I just make like a 10 minute video, like teaching them everything they need to know about that song. I perform the song, show them what they need to work on, what the hard spots are, a little information about the style, whatever. And then it's kind of like their homework piece. Mm -hmm. So that frees us up more time to work on other things like their lesson oh. book and theory book. I still do try to have the students progress up through the levels, even though I'm doing the thematic but it, it takes too much time to get it all in. So yes. this way, I'm not having to spoon feed everything to the student and they kind of have to do it on their own. And so there's a launch week that I send out the video through Tanara. Thank you very much. I did <laughs> sign up for that. And um, so I have them all grouped into five groups. So I just send out the link to each of the groups. They watch the video. And then like four weeks later, they get a grade on that song. So I will check on the song in the lesson and see how they're doing, see if they've watched the video. And um, so the grade week, they're going to try to get a 10, you know, so their goal would be to get a 10 on every song, you know, wow. so that's so cool. It sounds like it's a, your way of adding supplemental materials to spice things up or to keep things exciting. Because I think, like you said, at the beginning, we do kind of get in this routine of the same books Piano Adventures, Alfred, you know, and to, to encourage your students is sometimes challenging and you're always trying to find what music works for them. But if you have a theme for the whole year, you just know, well, we're doing Disney this year. What, you know, what's the next Disney, what's the next level up for that? Or I, I, mm -hmm. I really like it. It sounds so fun. And you've continued it for 10 years now. So it sounds like it's really working. It does seem, and the kids seem to be really excited. I don't tell them what the next theme is until the August, you know, when the new theme mm -hmm. starts, you know, so usually they're pretty excited about it. So. I love it. 
Let's talk about goal setting. Do you, how do you motivate your students to practice, um, whether that's setting goals or are they working towards recitals? Or like you said, you, you mentioned a score, like you want them to score a certain number on something. How do you keep them progressing? Well, sometimes I do have individual goals that we'll set, but for the most of my studio, most of them are younger. I would say the average age is around 10. So for most of them, the goals are within the, the thematic portion of it, you know, mm -hmm. so it is a little bit of a competition sometimes, or like some years, it'll just be different every year. Some years I'll make it so that I have like a hundred day practicing chart. I'm sure you've seen something like mm -hmm. that. And if they like, we'll say, okay, so what is a realistic amount of practice time that you think that you can get in, you know, daily? And so I say, okay, well, let's try it. Shoot for that 20 minutes. You, you said 20 minutes is a good time. You could sit down and let's shoot for that five days a week. Okay, so I'll put that down as their goal. So every time you practice 20 minutes, you mark this calendar, you know, thing, whatever. So when you get to 100, you get a practice trophy at the recital. So I have given out so many of those practice trophies. Now, I don't do trophies for every student, you know, and I believe that the recital should highlight the students that really put forth the most amount of effort. And so the students that don't put in that much of effort, they get to participate in the recital and they get to play, but they're not going to get an automatic trophy or anything like that. You know, so believe it or not, um, the, the trophies that I give out at the recital is what drives my studio. That's so cool. My very they first feel like year, they're missing out if they don't get it. My very first year here in Florida, I had a student that was only four years old. She spoke Spanish. She was from a Spanish speaking family and she's only four. So she couldn't really communicate really well to me. So she wanted to quit and her parents were telling me what a fit she was throwing for them trying to practice at home. So there was a Spanish speaking person in the store and uh, I called him over and I said, can you explain to her, please, you know, stick with piano until the recital. The recital was like two months away. And then after the recital, if she still wants to quit, it'll be okay. So he explained that to her in Spanish. So she stuck with it until the recital. And at the recital, she saw me giving out the student of the year award, the most improved. And she came up after the recital to me and she said, I'm going to be that student next year. I'm going to oh. get that trophy. And believe it or not, she is still with me. Still to this day, wow. she has not dropped out. In fact, this year I promoted her to another teacher at the local university. She wouldn't go. She signed back up on my website. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, that's so great. How old yeah, is she? 15. Oh, wow. How fun for you to watch her grow through all those years. And you probably refer back to that often. Like, remember? <laughs> yes. And her mom used to come in many times to me and say, Eva is so, so she cry all the time in her broken English. You know, she says she cries, she practiced, she cried. She don't want to come, you know? And I'm just like, it's okay. I understand. I used to not want to take piano either. And then we would try a different book or something different, you know, just a different approach. And she started playing for church and that's really gave her the fire to want to play. And <laughs> recently she asked me like, how do you praise and worship? How do you lift your hands and praise when you're playing the piano? And I'm like, Oh, you do that when you're at home, you practice and you can, you know, lift it in your heart or whatever. But you know, when you're in the performance, you're trying to get the other people to worship and praise, you know? So it's so exciting to see how music has really taken off in her life. So, but the trophies did it for her. Uh, and she's so neat. 
she has earned many of them. So when I do the online lessons, I can see all of her trophies over here in her room. Oh, that's so cool. And I, I just wanted to mention for teachers listening who are online now who might feel like, oh, I'd love to do something like that. Some other incentive ideas could be um, gift cards to like a cold stone or you could do certificates and you can present those during an online recital. So if you had, mm-hmm. you know, in the future when you moved, if you had all those 25, 30 students with you again, you actually have more than that, don't you? Yeah, about 30 Closer to 40. <laughs> How many? Yeah, 35, I think. 35. So awesome. Like so I, I'm just thinking of ways, you know, to incentivize, but you could, you could do an award ceremony at the end of a recital and announce your student of the year and let them know in their email, they'll get this or that. There's just so many ways to spark that in students. And it's okay if it's an incentive like that. And I'm just re- remembering with Tanara, now that you're using that, they have the leaderboard and you can give points based off of their leaderboard markings. You can also mm-hmm. track their practice. So instead of having to write that down, you can see that now in Tanara, which for me, when I switched to Tanara, it was such a uh, game changer, eye opener for me when I could actually see how much they were practicing versus them, you know, sometimes maybe stretching the truth. <laughs> yes. I had a little boy come in this week. He's only about eight and he had every song perfect, like way better than usual. And I looked at his mom and I said, what happened? And she said, it was Tanara. She said, he has been trying to compete with a girl above him. Like he'll get above her and then she'll get above him. And I said, who was it? And he, and he said, Brooke. And I said, that's so funny because Brooke is 15. <laughs> he's competing. And now he's number four, the last I checked on the leaderboard. So it really works for some students. So, and it resets, it resets as well. So they don't have to feel like, you know, get way behind on that leaderboard and then feel like they'll never catch up. I think it resets either every week or every month. So that's really, really great. Um, I wanted to show you this if I could, this is just like a little area that I made for my competition this year. And this is the dozen a day um, stuff. So for each group, all of the dozen a days, they are broken down into five groups. And so at the completion of each group, they get a ring for one of the circles of the Olympic rings, and then they get it put on their name. So, uh, so far this year, I've only had two kids that have completed the first group in the pink book. And now they're working toward the black ring. So here's all their names. The students enjoy seeing their names. And because it's an Olympic theme, I also have like a little game section here where we play a little challenge at the beginning of the lesson just to kind of remind them that if they, hey, if you're just throwing the ring aimlessly, you're not going to, you know, probably get any points. But if you kind of think about your energy and your, you know, how far it is before you release the ring and, you know, all of the factors that go into it, it's the same in piano. Like you just throw your hands out on the piano, you're not going to hit the right note. So you have to really think about playing with precision, a little bit more focus. So anyway, but yeah, I love all of the ways that you can incentivize the students to practice. And even if they aren't successful in one area, they're usually successful in another. Yes. I Hearing, hearing how you incorporate activities and incentives really reminds me how, as teachers, when we are passionate and when we incorporate our personalities and really show the students how to have fun, and maybe if, it, if a teacher's listening and they say, well, I'm not really that fun teacher, maybe they're more of the concert pianist directive, well, you're still putting that energy and that passion into 
what you teach and how you teach. You have so much more success and that's when your referrals come. That's why you said your studio has always been full because that's when people refer you when you have a passionate teacher who delivers, who isn't just checking off a box every week, but is finding ways to motivate and encourage, which is what inspired your themes and what inspires, you know, every, all these fun games and everything that you're doing. It's really cool to hear. I'm very passionate about it. <laughs> Thank you. One, I have one more question and we've kind of been answering this throughout, but I just want to hear why you teach, what inspires you, what motivates you, even during a pandemic, even when it gets hard, or like you said, when you were busy with five children, what, what kept you going and encouraged you to keep teaching? Probably if I had to be super honest, do I have to be super honest here? Be um, whatever you want to share. Financially, financially. Okay. So I teach because it's something that I can legitimately do and help our family to be able to afford the things that we need and want as a family. So I, I don't like living in a small house. I like having a large house. So that means I have to bring in some, you know, income that's going to help with my husband's income so that we can afford a big house. And I like, you know, doing certain things, you know, I like getting my nails done or whatever, you know? So I think if there's extra things that I want, then I have to work to get them. Okay. So I think, how can I, you know, make money for my family? And God has given me this training, this opportunity to be in a family that could afford for me to take piano lessons. So that's my area of expertise. So when I went to college, I read through all of the majors and I got to the end of the book. There was nothing that I wanted to do, nothing that I thought I would be successful in except music. So I reread it. So I chose music and I didn't even know if I could do that well in college. I went to a small private little Christian school. So it was a very very kind of a limited education I had going into college, but I really applied myself. And um, since then, as soon as I was out of college, I inherited a studio of 50 students at the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga. And so I dove deep right, right away. And I did the Suzuki method. I got the training for that. And that was really fun because it was kind of by ear and I learned a lot. So um, since then, I just had a great foundation, a great um, way of jumping off and landing and going, and I've just never stopped. So I'd say kind of sometimes God allows us to go through struggles in our lives so that we are forced to be out there among other people doing our craft. Because if, if I had my brother, I'd probably just want to sit around and watch TV sometimes and just drink coffee instead of really having a student come in, you know, great life. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But you know what? That's so Mm non-fulfilling, you know, it's so much more fulfilling. I feel so much better about myself when I've really done my best and I've influenced another person who's going to go out and influence other people. So it's about, you know, as you get older, you start thinking about your legacy and who you have influenced in your life and have you done a good job? So. Well, you, your answer, you said financial, but I know there's a lot more in there with <laughs> your passion for giving, for being productive and for doing what you're, what the gifts that God has given you, which is super inspiring. Thank you, Lori, so much for sharing. It was so fun to chat with you. (laughs) Thank you, Carly, for giving me this opportunity. And I just love being in your group. And I um, look forward to embracing more of the technology things that I'm not so good at yet. So (laughs) thank you. 
I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Lori. It was such a pleasure having her here with me on the Teach Music Online podcast. Thank you so much, Lori, for sharing all of your stories, your experience, and especially helping us understand more ways that we can keep our students engaged, whether they're in person or online with a thematic approach, which I really loved learning about. Thank you so much for listening today. Head over to Teach Music online to check out our free workshops we are running right now as well as to join the teach music online membership where we have monthly topics monthly coaching sessions member meetups open mic events and the entire teach music online course is available there also if you've been listening to this podcast and you've found that it has given you some new ideas it's helped you feel more confident with online teaching will you please head over to itunes and leave us a review your reviews help more teachers find the podcast and they just help us to rank better in itunes altogether so i would really appreciate it if you could head over to itunes and leave a review don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can get our new episodes every single monday thank you so much for listening and as always happy teaching